of uh, some men in the Old Testament. And where the Bible speaks about their heart. And that uh, we're going to do what is known as a spiritual EKG. Uh, electrocardiogram, and that is there they be able to detect whether there's something wrong with the heart. And so it's amazing the number of times the Bible talks about the heart. And uh, so we're going to uh, do a spiritual EKG on some of these men for the next several Sundays. And uh, today we're going to talk about Pharaoh. I became increasingly curious about the heart August of last year when I had to have heart surgery. And I did a little of investigation about the heart. The heart, the average heart beats about 75 times a minute. In other words, 40 million times a a year, two and a half billion times in a lifespan of 70 years. Each heart discharges four ounces of blood. This amount amounts to 3,000 gallons of blood a day. 650,000 gallons of blood each year. That's a lot of work for one organ. It's estimated that over 68 million Americans have one form or another of some type of blood or vessel disease. Over 45 point of all deaths in our country was due to heart disease. 1,500,000 Americans will have a heart attack this year. Over 500,000 will die from a heart attack. Understanding that nearly half of all the deaths in the country are heart-related, we become increasingly aware of this situation, and we've tried to do something about it. Whether through a proper diet, or whether through proper exercise, or things of this nature. So it reminds me about this uh, lady she was uh, 98, I mean, excuse me, 99 years old. And they called her Aunt Sarah. And she lived in a small residence. And uh, in that community, she, of course, was the oldest person alive. And so everybody in the town came to her birthday party at uh, of her 99th birthday. Her... 39-year-old young pastor was there. And uh, he went up to Aunt Sarah and he says, Aunt Sarah, he says, I hope that I am able to be here one year from today to be able to celebrate 
your 100th anniversary or your 100th birthday. She kind of looked at him, kind of snickered. She said, well, I don't see why not. You look fairly healthy to me. (laughs) A lot of times we don't realize the condition we're in. I know last July when uh, the doctors told me that uh, I had three major blockages, I didn't realize I had that condition. I understood I had a couple symptoms, shortness of breath and things of that nature, but I didn't realize the seriousness of it until they sat me down and began to explain to me the seriousness of those blocked arteries. I began to realize as I began to look in the Bible that there are a lot of men that have the same problem, not with their physical heart, but with their spiritual heart. And not only men in the Bible, but men and women that sit in our pews today. That they don't realize the spiritual condition that they're in. So what I want us to do is to take for a few moments and just look at the passage of Scripture before us. Today, we're going to talk about Pharaoh. The hard heart of Pharaoh. Would you take your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 7. Now, this is a familiar story to most Bible students. Of when Moses goes before Pharaoh. And he pleads before Pharaoh to let my people go. They had been in bondage for over 400 years. We're going to begin reading in verse 14. So with your Bibles open, would you stand with me in reading these passages of scriptures? So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning when he goes out of the water and you shall stand by the river's bank to meet him and the rod which was turned to a serpent you shall take in your hand. And you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now, you would not hear. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that are in the river shall die. The river shall stink, and the Egyptians will loathe to drink the water of the river. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Say to Aaron, take your rod, stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their streams, over their rivers, over their ponds, and over all their pools of water, 
that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in buckets of wood and pitchers of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded. So he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of the servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. The fish that were in the river died. The river stank and the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river. So there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Then the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard. And he did not heed them as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither was his heart moved by this. So all the Egyptians dug all around the river of the water to drink because they could not drink the water of the river. And seven days passed after the Lord had struck the river. Father, oh, what a story. As we think about Pharaoh and his hard heart. And Lord, for the patience and the And for the grace that you demonstrated in trying to convince Pharaoh to accept your will and to accept your word. Lord, no doubt there may be someone here today that their heart is hard. And they are spiritually blind to be able to see what you have in store for them today. I pray in the name of Jesus that you do heart surgery today. And Lord, that you would restore and repair that heart in order that they may have life and life everlasting. Fill us with your spirit. Anoint us with your power. Use us for your glory is our prayer today. In Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I find it interesting the number of times the Bible talks about the hard heart of Pharaoh. You notice back in verse 14 of chapter 7, it says, So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard, and he refuses to let the people go. Then you'll notice in verse 22 of chapter 7. Then the magicians of the Egyptians did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. One chapter over, chapter 8, In verse 15, the Bible says, But when Pharaoh saw that there was was relief, he hardened his heart and did not heed them as the Lord has said. 
And then in verse 32, listen to what it says. But Pharaoh's hardened his heart at this time. Also, neither would he let the people go. And then in chapter 9, verse 7, the Bible says, Then Pharaoh sent, and indeed not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. The hard heart of Pharaoh. Over and over and over again, the Bible begins to describe to us and literally gives us on a spiritual EKG of the heart of Pharaoh. His heart was hard. And it just seemed like no matter what God said or did, Pharaoh would not heed to the will and the way of God. I wonder if there's somebody here today that's just like that. Over the years, God has spoken to your heart. But instead of you allowing your heart to be responsive to the calling of God upon your life, you become hard. Hard heart. How did all this happen? Let me share with you a couple things as I believe how God began to describe to Pharaoh his will. First of all, the word of God that was received. The word of God that was received. The story tells us here that Moses and Aaron going before Pharaoh as a messenger from God Himself. And they're delivering this message to Pharaoh. Now, as you begin to look at that, you'll notice that it was a divine word, a divine word to a person that was spiritually blind. Spiritually blind. Exodus chapter 5. Verse 1 says, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. The message was not the message of Moses. It was not the message of Aaron. But it was the message of God, the God of Israel. Thus saith the Lord. Exodus chapter 5 verse 2 tells us and Pharaoh said who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I do not know the Lord nor will I let Israel go. When Moses mentioned the Lord to Pharaoh Pharaoh said who is this God you're talking about. I'm not familiar with this Lord that you're talking about. In other words, the problem with Pharaoh was that he was spiritually blinded. He could not see what God was trying to to share with him at this particular time. 
He was what was known as spiritual. He was in spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness. He knew not the God of Moses. I well remember when I came to know the Lord as my Savior. I did not know Him. I I knew about Him intellectually, but I didn't know Him in my heart. But I remember that that night, that Thursday night, that I invited Christ into my heart and in my life. That it was as if that God had taken I literally things off of my eyes so that I could see. And I was able to see and to experience the God that I longed for and wanted to know. And that He had taken that spiritual darkness away and He brought me into light. My friend, that is what's so amazing and so wonderful about the Lord Jesus Christ is that He brings you out of darkness into light. And all Pharaoh, Pharaoh was in darkness. There was a divine word. A word from the Lord. As I speak to you today, my friend, I'm not speaking to you coming from me, but I'm speaking to you, thus saith the Lord. And there's a major difference. But secondly, It was a delivering word to a people that was physically bound. It was a delivering word to a people that was physically bound. Exodus chapter 5 verse 1 says, Afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go. For they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. For 400 years, the children of Israel had been in bondage. For 400 years, they had been in slavery. And they had been bound by that slavery. And there they began to find that there was one that was coming and sharing I plead before Pharaoh to let them go to be free. Isn't it wonderful that God that not only gives you spiritual light, but that he gives you freedom. We have been bound by sin, and sin will make you do things that you wouldn't normally want to do. Why would a young boy go into a schoolhouse? And begin to shoot and take innocent lives. He's bound by sin. He's bound by the influence of evil. He's bound by the influence of demonic works. And my friend, I want to share with you today that when God comes in and that He releases you, He gives you freedom from that bondage of sin. And so you notice here, it was a delivering word. A delivering word to a physically bound. May of 1963, I received the word of God 
at that time, I understood that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That means that He gave His Son for me. That if I would believe in Him, I would have everlasting life. And oh, my friend, that when Christ came into my life, He set me free. And I want you to understand, I have been free ever since. Not bound by the bondages of sin. But I want you to see something else. Not only was the word that God, that was, was received when Moses went before Pharaoh. But I want you to notice the will of God that was rejected. The will of God that was rejected. God, through His Word, had made His will known to Pharaoh. And that was, Pharaoh, I want you to be a part of my plan. I want you to be a part of the plan of letting my people go. And you see the rejection of Pharaoh. I see this time in and time out. As I preach, I see people back there in the pew. And I can see conviction upon their faces. I can see of how God is convicting them over their sins and expressing to them that He has a plan for their life. But they reject it. They reject it. I want you to notice, first of all, the initial rejection that was found here in Exodus chapter 5, verse 2. It says, and Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? I think he said that kind of sarcastically. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. In other words, Pharaoh was saying to the face of Almighty God, No! I believe one of the greatest tragedies of a man is when God speaks and He shares with him a plan. And for that man to look in the face of God and to say, No! No. Here's a God that's wanting to set them free. Here's a God that wants to deliver them. Here's a God that who has a plan, has a will for their life. Reminds me of a story that happened a number of years ago. 1829. George Wilson in Pennsylvania was tried for thievery, stealing mail, and murder. And he was sentenced to death, getting ready to be hanged. Andrew Jackson, the president at that hour, issued a pardon for that man. But would you believe that man refused the pardon? Of Andrew Jackson. 
the president of the United States, was going to release him and set him free. He was bound for death. But the man refused it. Now that presented a problem. How do you pardon a man if he does not want to accept the pardon? So, what Andrew Jackson did, he went before the Supreme Court. And he brought the issue before the Supreme Court. Chief Justice John Marshall gave the following decision. Listen what he said. A pardon is a paper, the value of which depends upon its acceptance by the person implicated. It is hardly to be supposed that one under sentence to death would refuse to accept a pardon. But if it refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must be hanged. In other words, I give you a pardon, but if you refuse the pardon, you accept the sentence. Can you imagine? Can you imagine God issuing a pardon for a lost man? A man that has been sentenced to spiritual death? The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. And that every man, woman, boy and girl outside the Lord Jesus Christ are, have been summoned to this thing called spiritual death unless they come to know Christ as Savior. But Christ says, I pardon you. Can you imagine a man to refuse such a pardon? Can you imagine someone says, no, I will not accept. And yet that happens so many times. It was not only the initial rejection, but I want you to notice the perpetual rejection. As you continue to read the story, you'll find that Pharaoh not only rejected God's word, he rejected God's will. On several different occasions, you remember God gave him Sign after sign after sign to remind him of the power of Almighty God. Exodus chapter 7 verse 13 speaks about when God told Moses to take the rod of his, of that serpent and it turned into a rod. Exodus chapter 7 verse 22 is when God turned the water into blood. It says, and the magicians of the Egypt, of Egypt did so with their enchantments. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord has said. Followed by frogs covered the land. And yet, over and over and over again, God was trying to say, 
Accept my will. Accept my word. And yet, there was plagues of lice. There was plagues of bulls, flies, death of cattle. Over and over and over again, God was trying to convince Pharaoh. I want you to notice something here that maybe you haven't ever thought about. Why did God continue to do this? Why did God continue to bring up one thing after another to convince Pharaoh? I'll tell you why. Because God's grace is amazing. If I had been God, I would have zapped Pharaoh out the first time. But God was patient. God's grace was amazing. And I, and you know what? I am grateful that He is patient. Because He was patient with Pharaoh, He's patient with me. And He's patient with you. Sir, you're here today. I want you to know if you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, it's because God is patient with you. Amen. And His grace is beyond measure. The first time you rejected Him, God had every right to zap you and send you straight to hell. Same way with me. But because of His grace... And because of his patience, he continued on and on and on and on with Pharaoh. John and Charles Wesley had a wonderful mother and father. And the father was saying to the mother one time as she had told her child to do something 20 times. He said, I, mar-, he said, I marvel at your patience. You've told that child the same, time, same thing 20 times. Susanna Wesley said, had I spoken the matter only 19 times, I should have lost all of my labor. <laughs> Patience. And I think that's the way God feels a lot of times with us. But notice the consequential rejection. Even though God was patient, He gave Pharaoh several opportunities to obey Him. And Pharaoh repeated rejection with out realizing the tremendous consequences. Listen to what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 4, verse 21. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. In other words, the foreknowledge of God was that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Now, 
If you're not careful, you'll misunderstand that passage of Scripture. It almost sounds like that God hardened his heart. But my friend, I want you to understand, through the foreknowledge of God, God was saying, through the process of time, your heart has become hardened. In other words, after all that I've done to try to convince you, All that I've done for you to understand my will and my way for your life. I'm going to do signs and wonders before Pharaoh, he says, but he will reject my word that the results will be the hardening of his heart. In other words, the hardening of the heart is the consequences of the rejection that Pharaoh was experiencing. Because that Pharaoh had said no, his heart became became harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. Some of you men may, may can identify with what I'm talking about. You go out and you do something manually and uh, you haven't done anything like that before and your hands being soft, you'll rub a blister. But if you continue working with your hands, those blisters become callous and they become hard. And to the point that your hands no longer is sensitive to the friction that has come to those hands in the midst of that work. In other words, your hands have become hardened. That's exactly the way a man's heart is today. That when he hears the calling of God, that's why it's so important to reach our children when they're young because their hearts are sensitive. And when they hear the message of the gospel, they respond. But the older they get and the more opportunity they get, their hearts becomes harder and harder and harder and harder and harder and harder until finally it no longer receives the will and the way of God to do. I've seen people, I've seen people time after time, tears running down their cheeks, gripping the back of the pew, As the Spirit of God is speaking to their heart. And they refuse. And they come back the following week. And it's as if they're not even sensitive to the Spirit of God's work in their life at all. How terrible. But God is patient. And His grace is marvelous. And that's why it's so important that when you feel that God is speaking to your heart, that you respond immediately before that heart becomes hardened. Aaron Burr, the third vice president of the United States of this country, he was reared in a godly home. 
His, his grandfather shared with him the gospel while he was young. And yet he refused to respond to the call of God upon his life. Burr went on to achieve many great things in the political world. He even, of course, remember, experienced several disappointments in his life when at the age of, 42, at age of 48 that he killed Alexander Hamilton in a duel. In the closing years of his life, he made this statement to a bunch of his friends. Sixty years ago, I told God that if he would let me alone, I would let him alone. And God has not bothered me about me since. Tragedy. Of all tragedies. Telling God, leave me alone. Well, my friend, you know what? God will leave you alone. And there will be a process of time where He has spoken to you and spoken to you and spoken to you and spoken to you. And because of your heart has become hardened and harder and harder and harder to hear His call. Which brings me the closing remarks, and that is the wrath of God that was revealed. The wrath of God that was revealed. And it's a terrible scene of the judgment of God that fell upon the life of Pharaoh and his people. Chapter 14, verse 27 and 28, it says, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. And all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. What a terrible, terrible sight. Instead of me trying to describe what happened, I want to read to you what Clovis Chapel, a great theologian, said describing this. Listen to this, and I quote, It's rather a ghastly and gruesome sight, he said. There they lie, the soldiers of the once proud army of Egypt. They are all in all sorts of positions. These dead men, some have their heads pillowed peacefully upon their arms as if in sleep. Others have hard faces half buried in the sand. Others still lie prone on their backs with bits of seaweed in their hair and their sightless eyes staring in terror at nothing. They're very much alike. 
These corpses, he said. But here is one that is different. Look at the rich costume in which it is dressed. Look at his bejeweled fingers. There's no crown upon his brow. There is no scepter in the neverless hand. Yet, it is easy to guess that this corpse, who it is, this pocket that death has turned inside and out, emptied, was once a king. Yes, this is the body of Pharaoh, the one-time ruler of Egypt. But here he lies today among the meanest of his soldiers. He is sprawled in unkindly fashion upon his face as if the sea had spit him out in sheer nausea and disgust. What a scene. What a scene. The tragic story of judgment. I want to share with you, if I may, of a story that I experienced in my own ministry. In my previous church, there was a man by the name of Bill Nichols. Bill Nichols would come to church week in and week out, every service. I got to know Bill and come to find out that he had never made a profession of faith. I started talking to Bill about knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And every time I got ready to talk to him about Christ, he just sort of put up a shield. I remember one particular day I was preaching and he was sitting on the third row. And as I gave the invitation, I saw the knuckles, the whites of his knuckles gripping the back of the pew. I thought today's the day that Bill's going to give his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I literally saw him step halfway out into the aisle. And then all of a sudden he shook his head. And he knelt and went back and sat down. One particular day I got a call that Bill had had a heart attack. I rushed to the hospital and the doctor said it doesn't look like Bill's going to um, be able to make it. Looks like that he's going to die. His wife was a godly lady. And I remember as if it happened yesterday, there in that waiting room, she looked down and she said, Oh, Pastor, if Bill dies, he will die and go to hell. She said, Would you pray with me that God would spare him? And I remember we got down on our knees there in that waiting room, and we began to pray. Well, I want you to know God did spare him. He lived the next day and the next day and the next day, and he started getting better and better and better and better. And I remember going to his room after he'd gained conscious and 
had gotten a little bit better. And I started to share with him of what me and his wife had done. And we'd prayed for him that God would spare him and give him one more opportunity to give his life to the Lord. Tears just started running down his cheeks. He said, oh, pastor, thank you. Thank you. I said, Bill, day would be a good day for you to give your heart to the Lord. He said, yes, I think I'm going to do that. I started leading him and sharing with him the gospel. And I asked him, I said, would you pray this prayer, the sinner's prayer with me? And then all of a sudden, like a stone cold face came over him. He said, Pastor, he said, no, I'm not ready today. I said, Bill, do you realize what you're saying? He said, I'm just not ready today. And I started to plead with him again. And he said, Pastor, don't say another word. I said, I'm not ready today. Several weeks went by. And I remember preaching one Sunday. Bill was sitting there in his same pew that he always sat. And his eyes was like glass. He just stared up at the wall and would not even respond to what anything I would say. As he walked out the door... At that day, I shook him, shook his hand, and I says, Bill, won't you give your heart to the Lord? You may not have another chance. He shrugged his shoulders and didn't say a word, and he walked on out. That was on Sunday. On Monday, I get a call. Bill had had another heart attack. I went rushing to his home. I'll never forget what his wife said to me. As I walked in the door, she says, Oh, Pastor, Pastor, Bill has died. And he's gone to hell. There was a man whose heart had grown hard. Why wouldn't he... Why wouldn't he respond to the calling of God? I don't understand. But that he just said no, no, no so many times that he could not respond when God was really speaking to him. I don't know about you today. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what your spiritual condition is. But God, do know this, God gave you an opportunity to be here today. And that means He's given you an opportunity. And if you refuse that opportunity, God doesn't promise that He'll give you another one tomorrow. And just like that, you could go out into eternity.
I plead with you. Just like I did with Bill. I plead with you. Don't wait. For the time is it here and now. Lord Jesus. Hard to understand. How our hearts can become so hard. Hard to comprehend. Why a man would say no to a pardon of freedom. To be set free and to give new life. But Lord, every day, every Sunday, people come into this church and they do that very thing. But today, I pray that there will be a willingness to exercise that will to say, yes, today I will respond. I will accept Christ as my Savior, as my Lord. That's my prayer, dear Lord. May the Holy Spirit of God will have freedom to be able to move And do the work that he needs to do at this very moment. In Jesus we pray. Amen.